people don't like pushing a rock uphill, but once it's moving and they see that you're doing it on your own, they'll get behind you and help you. So they can be part of the team saying, we got this rock over the hill. And the bigger the rock, the more people you need, but the more people want to get aboard. listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 180, part two of Trev's chat with actor and filmmaker Leo Oliva, the writer and star of the upcoming dramatic feature film, The Shift. Co-starring Danny Glover, it's a film about an impossible night in a hospital emergency room. In part two of this interview, Leo talks about how he leveraged nursing to get him from Miami to L.A., how and why he wrote his first feature film, and why obstacles aren't really obstacles. They're just the next step on the path to leveling up. It's all coming up in episode 180, so stick around. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com. It's the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. You can visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, GoGo.com start. Trevor, you're, I can reach across the table and touch you. Oh, this is oh. weird, but we're touching right now. Just I mean, hands. Just, just, just hands. hands. Just hands. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so I'm in Los Angeles, uh, which I talked about in it's previous so episodes I. that I was coming here. And so, of course, Trevor is always here, or, yeah. or not, I don't want to say always, but you live here. Yeah. And so we are recording an episode in person for the first time, well, since the Roundtable episode, but we realized that we actually haven't recorded an episode recorded an episode like this for over a year. So anyway. what's so real quickly, what's it been like this first year in New York? What have you learned? What have you enjoyed? What have you <laughs> not enjoyed? There are some very oddball experiences, but they're also like you couldn't have these experiences unless you were in New York, um, namely with mass transportation, which a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with. I love 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 the mass transportation system there but it means that you are constantly dealing with any number of personalities sure whether they're yeah. sane or not you yep. know I'm, yeah. I'm being as nice as i possibly can <laughs> with this yeah. and uh, i didn't realize how underutilized my musical theater skill set was here in los angeles hmm. you know and i think i've said that on the cast before I've, i'm i'm certain i've said it to friends and 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 family and even other industry professionals being there means I get to go out for film, television, and Broadway, so uh, it's very cool. Yeah, um, and then and then also being committed to this bi-coastal living. You know, I've I've had two auditions uh, since I've been here. Well, I've had one, and I have another one tomorrow. Just so. this past week, you've you, been able to squeeze two auditions and well, two scheduled auditions at least. The day I landed, yeah. I had one um, uh, down in uh, Orange County, and then tomorrow I have one. Um, up in Hollywood for some Disney show thing. You know, a little company called <clears throat> Disney. That's awesome, dude. Well, yeah. welcome back to La La Land. You're only here for another few days, but uh, it's awesome to see you, to sit in the same room with you. You're in LA because, and you, you referenced this on a past episode, but you have this digital actor workshop mm -hmm. that you teach at USC, uh, and they pay you to do it. Yeah. And uh, I remember working with you at Apple back in the day when you were presenting this to apple store employees and actors would actually come to the apple store and you'd you'd do this workshop and it was like an hour long but there was some really useful stuff in there so what exactly do you cover when you when you do this essentially systems that will support an actor in running their business so i i i if you think about it you're 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 in school you're focusing most mostly on the craft 
maybe you have a career prep class, but no one's teaching you how to do your taxes. No one's teaching you the things that like when you get out of school, you're like, God, I wish somebody had taught me these things. That's I kind of feel like I become the Swiss Army knife for that to, 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 to make sure that you don't have that thought, you know, once you leave where, man, I'm, I'm learning this the hard way. Yeah. And, and I hear it time and time again. I had the experience. I know other actors have had the experience where they go to school, love their training, love their professors, love their experience, but end up not having the, the business acumen under their belts. There is so little business training done in school. Like yeah. you, you come out and you're like, okay, I, I feel prepared craft wise, but how the hell do I do a mail merge in Microsoft Word? Or yeah. like, or is that even something I need to do? Should I be doing mass mailings or not? Or, right. I mean, that's, that's I think, uh, something we're trying to kind of fill with the podcast, but more specifically, too, when you teach some of the nuts and bolts of, like, here's how to use this software. Hence exactly. The, the digital actor exactly. workshop. And that's exactly what it is. I, I tell the students right at the beginning that it is a business and marketing class, and then I just say, we're just, you know, we're looking at those two things through the the, the focus of, of using your technology, whether it's your smartphone or your computer or what, what have you. And then I just show some tips and tricks. I'm like, here's some, t- here's some software that can help you, you know, organize your emails, organize your contacts, uh, keep track of your uh, business and commuting miles. If you live in a, a city like Los Angeles, where you drive a lot using your calendar and then putting together that, that package that if you are going to do print submissions, What's the easiest way to convert digital to analog? You know, mm. and 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 what does that look like and how can you avoid some of the costs associated with that right. and some of the things that other people will charge you that you can do yourself. Right. So and you've done this now for USC and one or two other places, I think, right? UCLA. UCLA yeah. and is that it or was there a third uh, the place? Apple store? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean I've taught at the Actors Network, but it was never this class. Is the Digital Actor Workshop something that could possibly at some point in the future be a patron perk? Maybe it's something that once we get that online mastermind group thing up and running, hopefully like in the next week or two, that could be available to patrons in some form or another. Definitely. Well, I think that was honestly more Godali's idea than than mine, but I love it and I'm completely enrolled and on board. So he's considering making the Digital Actor Workshop its own uh, forum in the patron or member, whatever we're going to call them. Sure. Patrons, yeah, members, patrons members, uh, yeah. masterminds group that, that digital actor workshop will have its own, its own section. And that, um, we'll use that to kind of allow me to, um, share and disseminate some of this information with our listeners. Yeah. yeah. You can have module. I mean, I see so much potential for that. Just really valuable information getting out there in an easy to digest, easy, easily accessible way. Yeah. So yeah, and add a lot awesome. of value to the people who listen to our podcast. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this other uh, exciting IAP news thing? Yeah. Yeah. So we got two things we want to just share with people real quickly. Number one, many of you have probably seen via our Twitter uh, account, via our Facebook page, or our Facebook group. But we've we're doing a very limited run for just this week. Uh, of 25 Inside Acting Podcast t-shirts. So now you can actually hop online and for just 20 bucks, buy an Inside Acting t-shirt. It's pretty cool. Head Hit up our website or our Twitter or Facebook page or whatever to see the design. But it's a very simple, kind of bold, concise design. And uh, the proceeds from these t-shirts will go right back into making a better podcast and getting some things that we've been talking about for a long time off the ground. Like I said, it's a very limited run, uh, so you you can only buy these t-shirts this week. So you only have until Sunday. This episode's going live on Tuesday, what, the 17th? You have till Sunday, the 22nd or 23rd or something like that. 22nd, I think, to, to order these. So hop online and do that right now. You can get the link on our website or go to teespring.com slash insideacting. That's T-E-E spring.com slash insideacting. Uh, and then secondly, I uh, just wanted to kind of remind everybody but that The Shift, which is Leo's film, you're going to hear a part two with Leo Oliva's uh, chat with yours truly uh, in just a little bit, but he's screening uh, The Shift on Thursday the 19th, and I very well may be, this is pending confirmation, but I might be the dude moderating the Q&A afterwards with the cast and the crew and the audience and all that. So come on out to that at 7.30 p.m. in Beverly Hills at Lemley Music Hall 3. Uh, it's $12 general admission. I know a lot of uh, listeners that we met at the meetup last week already have said they're coming. They bought their tickets. The link to the, the info and the details and all that stuff is on our website. So hope to see you guys there. 
99% sure I'm going to be there. Awesome. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, it just, um, I'm waiting to hear on one thing I might have to, um, okay. might have to do on Thursday night, but we'll see. Cool. I don't cool, think cool, it's cool. going to happen. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there. So yeah, that's going to be awesome. So we have a voicemail we want to respond to. It's something that we actually have never really talked about in this, this sort of context in the podcast before. So we're excited to kind of offer our thoughts and, of course, uh, open up the conversation with the rest of the community around this particular kind of situation. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines? Be off book for auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? Guess what? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. So we have this voicemail from a listener in Florida, was it? Yeah, Tampa Bay, I think she Tampa said. Tampa Bay. It sounds like her name is Daniela. Uh, let's go ahead and just play this. Hi, I'm Daniela Gomez. I'm from Tampa, Florida. I don't want to sound conceited or full of myself or anything, but I just wanted to know if you guys have ever encountered, you know, um, pretty young women or older women or just women that have a rough time getting ahead in her career because guys won't take her seriously. People assume that you're just not in the right mindset or you're not, you don't have your, like your game plan isn't strong or whatever. Or just some guys have this ulterior motive and then in order to help you advance, they want something from you. And I've encountered that even in Tampa as an actress. So I'm wondering if in LA or New York it's like that or if it's worse and how you can deal with that and how you overcome that and kind of, I don't know, just ignore it or, or am I just meeting all the wrong people or what would you tell a young girl to do in order for men more than women for older men or just men that are in a position to allow you to advance to take you seriously thank you okay so daniela first off thank you so much for sharing that for being vulnerable for bringing up this conversation i don't think it's exclusive to the entertainment industry I think it's probably everywhere. Uh, there are douchebags out there that see women in, in, a, in a specific sort of light, in a specific sort of utilitarian light, which is really unfortunate and crappy. No matter what industry you're in, you're facing this kind of treatment, this sort of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but this sort of idea that you're somehow less than capable or not intelligent, or you're just kind of labeled as something that is not... Um, taking the entirety of your person into account. So thank you for sharing this. I know I've got uh, a few things that I just kind of want to chat about, but AJ, do you have anything you wanted to mention before we dive in? Uh, I mean, I think you already dove in. I think, I think there's two sides to this and therefore two points that I would want to make. The first one being just in agreement with you, Trev, that there are a lot of idiots out there. I, I don't like characterizing all of a particular group of people in one way. So I'm not going to do that, but there are certain men out there who you're absolutely right. See, see women in a sort of, um, diminished light, like a less than, uh, light. And it's not just in the entertainment industry. It's unfortunately systemic. I mean, um, you know, it's okay in this country as compared to some others that, um, you know, where women are completely subservient or what have you, but it's certainly got a long ways to go. Thankfully, we have seen a lot of progress in recent years, especially in, in the entertainment industry with um, things like uh, Gina Davis's, um, you know, project and all the work that she's doing. And then, of course, um, Ms. and the Biz, which we're going to bring up again later as a, as a resource for you, Daniela. But yeah, the fact of the matter is there there are just assholes mm-hmm. out there. And the second point is that that can't affect you and how you go about your process. You get to interpret what is coming at you. So you currently have a story 
that these people are not taking you seriously, whether that's true or not, is almost moot because you're, you, you get to choose your interpretation. You get to choose your story. And right now you have a story that you're not being taken seriously. And you have a story that you're not being taken seriously based on your looks. You have a story that you're not being taken seriously based on your gender. You have a story that you're not being taken seriously based on the lack of credits. All of that has to do with, A, your interpretation of what's being thrown at you, and B, how you carry yourself in your life. Because if you're carrying yourself in your life with this story, you're going to find, constantly find evidence to support that it is true. Because confirmation bias is an evolutionary practice that humans do in order to survive, and you will find evidence to confirm that you are right about this story that you currently have. You see what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's twofold. I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of tough love, but it's not like, I'm not telling you that you're not, that you're wrong. This isn't about right or wrong. I'm saying that there are, yes, assholes out there that may want things from you and that may never change for the rest of your life whether you're an actress or not. Also, you get to determine what happens with those situations. You get to determine your interpretation of it. You get to determine what you do with it. And you are the only person who can empower yourself to push through it, rise above it, say thanks but no thanks, and move on to working with somebody who does take you seriously. All of those things. So I hope that's not... I don't know what the word is, harsh. <laughs> no, geez, that was, I want to applaud right now. That was really, really great. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of tough love, I think, there, but I think that's really necessary because what it comes down to is each one of us is 100% responsible for what we create in our lives. And if that cre if what we create is a story, like you said, AJ, of being taken advantage of because of things that will never change, like you said, being a woman, being attractive, being uh, uh, an actress, like those were three things that you mentioned. Daniela, if that's what you are right now, those things aren't going to change except maybe the actress thing at some point. Yeah. But it's like, if, if that's your story, then you're doomed from the, from the beginning. So it's like, what, how else can you spin this to, to tell yourself an empowering story? We're going all the way back to Bjorn Johnson's episodes whenever they were, like back in the, like the 20s or 40s, like the very, very early episodes of Inside Acting. His advice was to tell yourself a helpful story. So the example he gave was when you go into an audition, they're eating, you know, or they're distracted, they're on their phones or whatever as you're doing your read. One way to make an interpretation of that is to say, I'm boring. They don't like me. Uh, I, you know, they're, they're distracted. This is all a bust. I'm wasting my time. I'm not respected. That's one interpretation. And that is a completely normal and logical and human way to react to that situation. But another interpretation might be, they've been here all day. They're starving. They're trying to multitask. I'm so good that they're making notes on their phone right now to bring me back. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to kind of spin these situations and in a lot of cases Daniela I think you're probably right you probably are being seen in a specific light by a bunch of jerks that uh, don't understand the male-female dynamic in its fullest sense these are people that probably aren't terribly evolved but that like AJ said that's not going to change you get to handle that so how are you going to show up in such a way that that is not an issue for you is it something that you can say I have this it could be a curse or a blessing how can I, you know, maximize the blessing while still being ethical, while still being integrity, of course, while still being moral, but how can I take advantage of this to make sure that it is a strength of mine and not a weakness and not something that brings me down? Yeah. Or, 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 or even, um, to take all of the, all of that that you just said, Trevor, and kind of combine it into one thing, make them take you seriously. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like that, that almost takes everything you just said and kind of boils it into one, one sort of goal or objective for yourself. It's like, okay, so you have the story that they're not taking you seriously. So change the story and now make them take you seriously. You know, and if, and if that doesn't change, then you move on to someone who's kind of behaved professionally, you know, in a professional man manner and surround yourself with people who are on the same level of, emotional intelligence as you 
you know, which yeah. is what Trevor and I have tried to do uh, with with our group of friends. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to, Dan, Daniela and everybody listening, is that we train people how to treat us. Every mm. every thought, every word, every action, every returned phone call or not returned phone call, every time wow. we show up on time or we show up late, whatever it is, we are training people how to treat us. And I think what we have in this specific situation is a really great opportunity to exercise that power. I think that's what I meant when I was saying take yeah. take advantage of these things that you that you mm. that that you have, Daniela, these things that you've noticed and these these dynamics and these interactions. Take advantage of them by training people how to treat you. Wow. Train them to treat you the way you want to be treated. Wow. And it's as simple as just shifting a few thoughts, a few words, a few actions. If they say something that doesn't jive with you, stand up for yourself. Say, I don't appreciate that. I don't, I'm not going to stand for that. And if they, and if they do, you know, say nice things to you and treat you well in ways that, that you do feel respected and acknowledged, reinforce that with something. Maybe it's, reinforcing it right back to them but eventually the people that are are jerks and schlubs and whatever they're gonna fall away like dead skin and the people that you're gonna that are that empower you that are gonna be on your team for now and years to come they're gonna be the ones that stick around because they're gonna get it you know i'm not gonna say (laughs) another word that was beautiful daniela thank you so much for like i said earlier writing in with this kind of you know, a potentially sensitive subject. Uh, We really appreciate it. And I know all our listeners around the world that are listening, that have run into the same situation are really grateful that you, that you brought it up with us too. So thanks. And of course, if our listeners want to chime in on this, we've got our Facebook group, we've got our Twitter, we've got our Facebook page. We would love, love, love to hear other people's experiences and approaches and ways of handling this, this kind of thing. So please feel free to chime in at any of those places. Yeah. Especially if you're uh a, reader of Miz in the Biz, I guess. Or, yes. Or involved you. there. You yeah. Know, as Trevor even mentioned before, before we started recording that one of the things we should do is refer you there because chances are with 140 contributing female writers that at some point, one of them must have written yeah. an article or two or three or a dozen or two or three dozen about this very topic. So make sure that, uh, Daniela, you check out MizInTheBiz.com. Uh, link on our website to um, get hooked up with some really powerful women awesome. in the industry. All right. So part two of my chat with Leo coming at you right now. Hope you guys dig it. We'll catch you on the other side. about the nursing thing because that's so fascinating to me that not only did your dad propose that as a solution but that she went through with it and you were able to make it work and even parlay your nursing experience into the sort of biggest accomplishment in your career to date yeah um so so yeah so you put away acting and then you were basically in medical school for three years yeah well i i I had to put away acting because final two years of, of nursing school you're taking classes five days a week and doing clinicals about three days a week, but that normally blends into your weekends. So Monday through Saturday, you're going to school. Monday through Friday, it's normally class in the morning and cl- or no clinicals in the morning and then class in the afternoon. So you're starting off at 630 in the morning in a hospital taking care of patients. And then the, you get out of that at about one o'clock, then you go to school and you're taking about three more classes and you're just pounding it because next week you have a test in every single class. They're not, they're not spreading it out for you. They're just giving you everything at the same time. So I spent the, the next two years of strict nursing, just I knew I, I didn't have any time to do anything else but that. Put away acting, watched movies. That was my torture. You know, everybody has their their ups and downs and their their struggles trying to get into into making movies or into being an actor or, or whatever it is that you want in this industry. And mine was at the beginning and at the end of every single semester, I literally would break down. I'd break down in tears, just struggling with the idea that why am I doing this? If this isn't what I want to do, why am I doing this? And it was having to overcome that at the beginning and at the end of every single semester. I remember thinking, 
I, I already picked my classes. I know I need to start, but God, I don't want to do this. And I remember just falling apart there with, with my mom and her being like, it's okay, Iho, you know, you're going to do it. It's going to be fine. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. Finished off my two years, my final two years in nursing school. So spent a total of four years at the university getting my nursing degree. And then it was like a shot in the dark. It was like, well, now you finished. You spent all this time. But if you don't pass your test, your boards, you're not a nurse. Right. Sat for my boards, luckily passed it, got to nursing. I had to, I had to set myself up as best as I could um, while I was still in Miami. Tried going to some auditions, didn't have an agent, didn't have a manager, didn't have anything um, because I had no credits. I had nothing. I worked as a nurse in Miami for about a year and a half, just nursing, just working from the intensive care unit into the ER, figuring it all out. And as I would work there every, every summer and every winter when the seasons would pick up, We'd get traveling nurses. Nurses would come in and I'd just pick their brains. I'd be like, what, what, do, what do I need to do to, to become a traveler? And everybody was telling me the same thing. If you know how to run a code, if you know how to save somebody's life on your own, then go. I was like, man, that's a lot. <laughs> run, a, run a code. That's yeah. like there's different codes for different exactly. problems that people have, like asthma attack or well, heart the, attack. Or, the major right? code is a code blue. That's the okay. main one that you're worried about. Code blue is basically the person's dead. They're not breathing, heart stopped. heart stopped, you need to do chest compressions, you need to do, you need to intubate the patient, you're going through basically the whole thing, you're trying to bring somebody back, you're not trying to, you're not trying to keep somebody from dying, they're dead already, you're trying to bring them back, Oof. and they kept on telling me, if you can do that on your own, if you can basically run a code, and run a code means you've got five people looking at you saying, what should I do, and you're just sounding it off, you're telling each one, you this, you that, you this, I need an IV, I need IV fluid, I need, I need this medicine, you know, if you can run that, you're good to go, day you get that down, so... I was like jumping in on everything. Every patient that was coding, I was like jumping in and trying to figure it out and getting getting comfortable in those those moments of utter chaos. But it's a it's a it's a controlled chaos to us. And I kept on jumping in trying to figure it out. And finally, when I felt comfortable, it had been about a year and a half. I had worked in the ICU and in the ER at the hospital back in Miami. I'm driving home one day, one morning after working the night shift, and on the radio they're talking you know the 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 usual want to be an actor want to be in this movie come in this and that the the usual they're trying to get some money out of you come over and try this huge moment of casting directors and managers and you can meet everybody right all right and this is in miami still this is still in miami and i'm like well all right let me figure this out let me see if this is worth it so i i get all the information and i go to this the first open call or open casting call kind of thing that they have Put together a little monologue, did it. I mean, got to the front of the line, got to do my thing. The guy looked at me and he goes, yeah, come on up. And he gave me a card and he goes, stay after, we need to talk. So stayed after and the guy's like, you know, you have potential, but you can't do it here. You need to, you need to go to this place up in Orlando. We're having the huge convention up there. And then this is where the money card, it's going to be 700 or something dollars. Da, da, da. And I was like, you know what? For me, money, money will come and money will go. I'll, I'll be broke one day and I'll have a lot of money the next. That, that's fine. 700 bucks for me to know whether I, I fit in or I don't fit in, it's worth it. Dropped the 750 bucks, drove up to Orlando, and I got to perform in front of a bunch of people again. And I was doing, it felt like I was a kid again back in Universal Studios. Hmm. But this time I was doing what I wanted to do and I was putting up what I wanted to do. I got to act, I got to put on my own monologue. And I, got, I kept on getting bumped to the next and to the next and to the next level saying, you're going to get to be in front of a bunch of casting directors, a bunch of managers and agents. And then one guy was having a seminar. One of the main guys was having a seminar and he said, it's free. You already paid for it. Just come on in, talk to us. I went up again, did my monologue, talked to the guy. He goes, you're really good. You know, give me some more about your backstory. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I'm from Miami. Uh, and he's like, oh, I can't help you. And I'm like, wait, what? What do you, what do you mean? Like, Two seconds ago, you were telling me that what I did was awesome. He goes, yeah, but I thought you were like 18. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not, you know, I can, I, I, I have, I have a career. I have, I have stuff that I can do. I can sustain myself. He goes, yeah, but you don't have any credits. You don't have anything. I can't promote you. You know, you'll probably move on to the next rounds, but no one's going to take you. And I'm like, all right. And that was that first slap of you're, you're full steam ahead. Everything's going great. And it's like, brick wall you can't go any farther he goes you need to be in LA if you're serious about this you need to leave Miami and you need to go to LA you need to figure it out over there because that's that's where you're going to get most of your work 
So I got out of that place. He was right. I kept on moving up the ranks. But at the end, I wasn't on the final list to meet with anybody because a lot of those huge casting things are, let me find a kid that I can groom and I can make money for the rest of their careers, basically. Right. Um, so I packed up my stuff and I started driving down. And instead of being like, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't make it. It was, all right, this is the next step. And I'm driving back down and I call, I call a traveling agency, nursing. And I said, I want to be in LA as soon as I can get there. And this is literally driving from Orlando down to Miami after I was done. I hadn't even called my job yet. And they're like, well, what's your name? What's this? And I'm like, I already filled out a profile. I did it last night. Um, this is my stuff. This is my information. This is my profile number. Check it out. Call me back. Let me know what we can do. I hung up the phone with them, called my dad. I told him, hey, I'm going to go to LA. I'll be there probably in about two and a half weeks. Do you want to drive with me? He goes, wait, 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 what? And I'm like, I'm going to LA. I need to do this. So I'm packing up my stuff and I'm going to drive. He goes, all right, let me figure it out with work. Let me see if I can take the time off. And I said, all right. When I got back to Miami, I wrote out my, my letter of resignation. So I got back to the hospital and literally, the, I think it was the, the, I started working that Monday, just walked in. I said, here's my two weeks notice. I'll be gone in about, and they're like, wait, 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 what? And I was like, I'm, I'm taking the next step in my life. I know what I need to do. A few days later, I got a phone call. They had a job for me. I had to do a phone interview and I basically had a job at one of the hospitals over here before I even came out, packed up my stuff, drove cross country with my dad. Got here October 11th of 2007. I remember coming over the hill and seeing that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm coming to Hollywood. You see that, that crappy sign off the 101 that says yeah. Hollywood 101. Uh -huh. I remember getting over the hill, getting to my place and being like, well, this is the new start. This is the new beginning of my life. And then it just became about the grind and trying to figure out how to mix nursing at the same time as acting and how to balance them both out. I'll tell you, the nursing has been the best option because three nights a week, that's all I had to do. And that continued keeping me as a full-time employee. I mean, three 12-hour shifts, but I was doing three night shifts and I had seven days technically of whatever I wanted to do. If mm -hmm. I don't want to sleep, I can stay up and I can keep going. See, it's interesting because nursing doesn't seem like the ideal fit for an acting career because you've got to be there. It's not like if you, I mean, maybe you can. Can you call, can you have somebody cover your shift or call out or? You know, you can. I'm not going to say you can't, but every nurse by California ratio handles at least three to four patients at a time. So if I call out, those are three people that are not being seen. There's a responsibility that I have as a nurse that if I don't go in, and I know I do a really good job, I know I do. If I don't go in, those are three people that are not going to get right. the care that I can give them. Um, if I don't go in, that means my other nurses, three of them are going to be picking up an extra patient because of me, which means their three patients are all going to suffer. So there's this cascading effect of if I call out, I'm letting a bunch of people down. I'm technically a little sick, but I went in, I put on a mask and I worked the last two nights in a row. Like that's just, that's my job. I know that I need to do this because I, I have this sense of commitment to, to what I said I would do. What happens when your agent calls and says, Hey, I got you a, you know, a, a read for a regular on Mad Men. You got to be there tomorrow at four and you're supposed to work at the hospital. Well, luckily I only do nights so I can be there at four. It's a bunch of coffee and it's a bunch of how do I stay awake between now and four, a bunch of catnaps in between, but gotcha. I'll go into work at, I've switched my schedule as of, as recently, I only do eights now. I went from 12s to eights because I started focusing more on- Midnight to 8 a.m. No, 11 p.m. to 7.30 in the morning. So I get off of work at 7.30 in the morning. Let's say I have a four o'clock from admin. I rush home, take a nap for about three hours, wake up, make sure everything's buried, and then go in, come back home, knock out again, and go back to work. It's a necessary evil. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the way I look at it. I, I don't have another option, at least as of right now. That's where I'm at. The day that my 100% breadwinner is acting, that's another story. But right now, this is my, my means to an end. If you're working in another job and you kind of want to half-ass it, you might be able to get by. I can't. I can't half-ass it at work. Yeah, you can't I, phone it in when you've got people's no. lives and health on the line. Yeah. Exactly. So you've been able to, though, with this kind of seemingly incompat seeming incompatibility. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't usually put medicine and, and no. storytelling and acting together. No. But you've been able to do it. You wrote this film called The Shift, which yeah. I saw the trailer for, and it looks awesome. Thank you. You got Thank Danny you. Glover to yeah. be in it with you. 
this is the story that you told me at Chipotle, which was yeah. just epic. So let's talk about how you got to the point where you were like, okay, I, you know what? I got to write. I got to make a film. This is the next step. I, I came out to LA, right? In 2007. And, and I'm, again, I'm the kind of guy that I don't think if you can't, you can't just walk into a hospital and say, I'm a nurse. No, you need to go through some training before you become a nurse. I approach acting the same way. It's a profession. It's a career. I'm not going to say I'm as good an actor as someone that's been doing for 20 years. I can't. You know, it's impossible for me to just say that. So I said I need to take acting classes. And I started going through a few different schools trying to figure out which one was my best fit. And I ended up jumping into a Meisner class up in Burbank. The teacher, he's the reason why I actually did the shift. His name's, his name's Alex Taylor. But he, we sat down. And I went through his class for about a year and a half. At the beginning, it was five days a week, three hours a day, plus rehearsal. And then I would go to work on my weekends and then go back to class. Oh, but man. that just, that created this, this need to keep creating. And, and the approach is very much based on your imagination. What do you want to explore? Where do you want to go? Again, that, that theme has been in my life. What do you want to explore? I keep on getting asked that. And Alex really pushed the idea of, this is your opportunity to tell us your story you know, and towards the end of, of my, of my classes with him, I was, I was going out on auditions and, you know, you get these auditions that it's like prepare eight pages and you come in and now they're like, and now interpret all those eight pages. You're not going to say any lines. You're going to do it all in movement. And you're like, what? (laughs) What? What Okay, sure. And that's fine, but that's not what I want to do, you know? And I was going on auditions and a lot of them, because I don't have an agent, because I don't have a manager, because I'm figuring it out all on my own, you're winging it until you get there and, and you're like, well, I've done all this work and it's not getting me to where I want to be. So I said, okay, I need a reel. I need to figure out how to write something for myself. And again, exploring what scares me and what I want to do and what stories I want to tell. It was, what if, what if I had someone come in that I cared about and I could not take care of? So I sat down and I started writing a scene that my best friend came into the hospital and he was dying and I couldn't save him. I was trying to run a code blue and I couldn't save his life. And then I upped the ante and I said, well, forget best friend. What if it was my brother? And that raised the stakes even more. And I kept on raising the stakes to the point that I had a 10 page scene for a reel. 10 pages is 10 minutes. That's not, that's not real material. That's a short film. And I showed a buddy of mine and he goes, this is great. And everybody that kept showing, they were like, this is awesome. But I kept on hearing the same thing. That's a hospital. You, you don't want to waste a hospital location, one of the most difficult locations on a short film. Save that for something bigger. I'm like, all right, well then, then what should I do with it? My buddy's like, you should just write a feature. And I don't know if he was joking, but I took it as, well, how many pages is a feature? Mm-hmm. And he's like, 90 to 120. And I'm like, well, I got 10. So <laughs> I, I sat down and over two nights I wrote out the first draft of, of the shift. I God. wrote out the whole... You know, that, that blows my... I've heard that a lot, that people sit down and within like a really condensed short amount of time, they just pop out this 120-page feature film script. And I, I find writing to be the most challenging thing in the world. And I, I get caught up in the structure and the beats and the arcs and the acts. So I didn't, you didn't worry about any of that. You I were didn't, like... No, better yet, I didn't know about any of that. See, even be, better. I, I, wish I, I wish I didn't know about that shit. I, I, had, I had the freedom of... of not letting that bog me down. Now when I write, it's more difficult. Now when I'm writing, I'm getting stuck with, well, if I had this character here, where's it going to turn? And where am I going to get? And how am I going to this? So at the beginning, when I was just telling a story, I just wrote. And I sat down and I told myself, you're going to get coffee and you're going to get little snacks, but you're not going to get out of this chair until you're done writing. And Done writing meaning you've got a full script? Full script. Jeez. Full script. It didn't have to be perfect. I call it my vomit draft, but yeah. it didn't have to. I needed, I needed the end at the end of at least 90 pages, maybe 120, but you need 90. And it just flowed. The thing is, at that point, I knew the story I wanted to tell. I wanted to take you through the journey of one 12-hour night shift. And I'm like, well, shit, I've been doing that for six years now when I was doing it. I'm like, I got this. This is cake. And I was like, well, how can I, how can I develop showing you both sides of it? Because one thing is what you see nursing as when you first come into it, which is I'm going to save the world. I'm going to make everything great. And then after you've been in it for a while, you notice, well, there is a lot of red tape and there are a, little, a lot of different factors that play into what you can and can't do for somebody and how you can and can't save a life at certain points. So I said, well, let me create two characters. Let me create one that is me when I first started this like green, I want to change the world. And let me take myself now, but 
make me as jaded as possible. I mean, push me to the extreme of like, well, you know what? Their best option is dying, so let's let them go. So I sat down and now I had two opposite worlds basically colliding on one 12-hour shift and I just, it started coming out. And I'm just saying, well, what was the worst night? Okay, this patient. And then what was it? Okay, and I was just taking people from room to room and making them deal with what I considered the worst possible night. Granted, I had to tweak that. By the time we were done, I must have written honestly without joking. And I don't know, I don't know if this is because it was my first time writing, but I had probably written about somewhere between without exaggerating 55 to 60 different drafts of the movie 55 to 60 different drafts of a feature length script yeah because it kept changing it was like well if i add this scene it's gonna it's it's not like i can say well i'm gonna take out a week worth of time no this is one night so if i change one character and what that does emotionally to the entire script well that changes everything down the road and if i change that character at the beginning now i'm changing the whole thing and i wasn't gonna be like i don't want to rewrite it i was like well if this is what I feel like doing, let me trust my gut. Let me change his character. Okay, it's going to suck, but fine. So I'd pull somebody out and put somebody different, or I'd move a character from one spot to another. And the freedom of just rewriting and having somebody say, you know what, what if we change the whole opening? And arguments with with different people, like, that's not the story I want to tell. Even getting down to the point that I'd be like, really? That's Okay, fine. I literally sat down out of spite, and this is me and my ego. You know, it happens. And I said, okay, fine, no worries. I hung up the phone with somebody one day and I wrote out an entire another script based on their idea and I sent it to them and they were like the next day they're like this is awesome this is a great start and I'm like great take it I don't want it this is not the story I want to tell you can take this I give you full freedom to make it your own take this whole idea with you but this is not the story I want to tell if you want to be on my team and you want to work with me we're going to tell the story that we started with but but by all means take this one with you at one point I realized I, I didn't want to be a writer you know I, I it clicked back in. I had been writing for about rewriting for about two and a half, three years after I had written the first draft, and I was like, I'm done writing. I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I want to make a movie. I want to act. This is the point where I need to make a movie. I set a date. I said, okay, July we're gonna shoot. This was February. The turnaround from I want to make a movie in February to July it doesn't make sense unless you have mad cash and it's sitting in your pocket and yeah, you can just run say, with it. That's a really quick pre-production phase. It wasn't gonna happen. But I needed a deadline. I needed something to say, this is when it's going to happen. It didn't happen in July, but I started getting the ball rolling. And then I said, okay, well, it's July. It didn't work. Could I do it in August? No. How about September? Okay, let's push for September. Got to September. It wasn't, but I had gotten five more people on board. People don't like pushing a rock uphill, but once it's moving and they see that you're doing it on your own, they'll get behind you and help you so they can be part of the team saying, we got this rock over the hill. And the bigger the rock, the more people you need, but the more people want to get on board. By the time we got to October, which was when we were going to start shooting, we had everything together. We were going to shoot in Miami, had a location, had a, a hospital that was actually giving me the spot, and we got ready to roll. October 3rd, we started shooting first day of production, and it was technically the last day of production because we got the ball rolling, and me using my connections as a nurse, I got a hospital, but I got a real hospital. I got an active hospital. <laughs> and Oops. Yeah. You know, and they say the one thing that you're not supposed to lose is a location. I lost the location because from one yeah. day to the next, the hospital got swamped. And the one thing in the contract was, listen, patients come first. And me as a nurse, I was like, I get it. From one day yeah. to the next, the, e- the ICU that they were going to let us double as an, as an ER got swamped with patients. And they're like, sorry, we don't, we don't have room for you guys. So we didn't shut down production. For the next three days, Melanie, my producer, Melanie DiPietro and I, we drove up and down the coast of Florida trying to find another hospital because I had crew there. I had cast there. I had everybody flown in. I had already spent about $15,000 over the course of just getting this ready. Right. And I was about to lose all of that. Um, and was, Dan, was Danny Glover on board at this point? At this point, no. Not yet. So this no, was just yet. you and a bunch of friends and a few contacts. Exactly. This was the next step from a scene to a, I want to make a movie. You and, know? and the $15,000, this was out of your own pocket? My own pocket, yeah. This is, all, this is your credit card movie. This is, this, is my, this is my credit card and my nursing. This is, wow. well, when I get back to LA, I got to pick up a few extra shifts, you know, because okay. I got to cover all this. Right. But I was lucky enough to have enough people that were on board, even with a budget that at that point it was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make it for 50 grand. That's all the money I have. We're going to make a feature for 50 grand in a hospital, uh, with a bunch of medical equipment, which doesn't make sense. You see that script and you're like, that, no, 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 that's going to cost a lot more. You can't make that. So after about three days worth of driving up and down, we shut down production, called it, said, you know, we're going to regroup and we're going to, 
we're postponing production. Came back to LA and in a meeting with Melanie, we sat down and she's like, we need to make this movie. And I said, yeah, I know, but I'm 15 grand in the hole. I've only got another basically 35 left. And now we want to shoot in LA. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything over here. I don't have any connections. She goes, well, let's start it all over again. Let's revamp the whole thing. We already had our, our lead actress that we wanted to work with because she had gone to Miami and she was sticking on with the project. And at that point, Melanie was like, I can make this better. We need to get you a main actor. We need to get you a real name for this role. We can do it with this role. So Danny Glover came into the mix and it was, how do we get Danny Glover? That's the guy that our director wanted. He goes, I want Danny. We're like, okay. So let's figure this out. You know, we don't have the money for Danny, but we, uh, we can give it a shot and see where it lands us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Bookends. Hope you dug the uh, second part of Trev's chat with Leo. Um, I know I've been digging this, this interview. Um, he's very eloquent. He's very well spoken. Very well yeah. spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, did you have anything you wanted to sort of debrief on this on this section? I, you know, I, the thing that I'm I'm kind of most um, inspired by with Leo. I mean, obviously he's he's a he's a go getter, but we mentioned this in the very beginning of this episode uh, that he doesn't see obstacles as obstacles. He just sees them as indicators of what the next step is, and it's such a subtle mindset shift, but it's so powerful. Yeah. It's not an obstacle. It is simply a roadblock that he has, gets to learn how to move through or move around. Uh, one of the things I was most impressed with, and especially want to reinforce for our listeners, because we get so many emails, um, voicemails, questions to the podcast around the the question of, I feel stuck in a minor market. How do I get myself from a minor market to a major market? And look, you, Leo is a supremely motivating example. He did whatever it took. He did whatever it took. He had no excuses. He made it happen. Even, you know, saying I'm going to take three years and just focus on nursing, build up the money, and then this traveling nurse thing. I mean, he literally did whatever it took to make it happen. So you kind of have no excuse. <laughs> uh, he doesn't, yeah. you know, it's not like he has rich rich parents or something. And, and wait till you guys hear part three, how they got Danny Glover on board and how they dealt with his lawyers. It is awesome. Can't wait. Uh, so, Can't yeah, wait. it's coming up. What's your pick of the week, my friend? So, all right. I won't go into the story, but for the short, the super short version is I've been bicycling a lot more. I've been bike community, but back on the bicycle, got my health insurance all squared away. So back on the bicycle, not afraid. All of our listeners <laughs> just had a collective gasp. <laughs> I got back on a bicycle. <gasps> I know. For those of you who may not be familiar, I destroyed my wrist, royally destroyed my wrist a couple years ago and uh, had major reconstructive surgery on it. Now it's half steel. Anyway, I, so I've been back on the bicycle and commuting back and forth to work and downtown and things like that and really getting back into the bicycle commuter culture, which I love, everything about it, sustainable cities, bicycle advocacy, all about it. And I've been on YouTube just searching for like, you know, community type things and whatnot. And I came across this really great web series called Sweet Ride USA. So far, there's four episodes online, but it's all in LA and it's a group of people on their bicycles and they commute through LA to different dessert shops, like really niche, unique dessert shops. And they get things like bacon-covered donuts. And they enjoy the crap out of the donuts, and they talk to the restaurant owners, and they talk about the food, and they get on their bike, and they ride around to the next place. So, and they calculate at the end how many calories those desserts were, and then how many calories they burned off by biking around the city. And they almost, and in the first four episodes so far, they've come out uh, on the negative. So they've actually burned more calories than they consumed. Ugh. And it is so fun. It's like a sightseeing LA on your bicycle kind of thing, plus this kind of foodie thing. It's really well done. Each episode's like between 16 and 20 minutes. I've just been loving it. SweetRideUSA.com. You can also find it on YouTube. It's so fun and it's going to make you want to get out there and get on a bicycle and be in your city. It's awesome. So awesome. check it out. So, yeah. so on the health tip, Jasmine and I saw a documentary yeah. called uh, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, which sounds awful, but uh, it's really funny, actually. It's on Netflix, but you can also get it on iTunes. It's just this guy who happens to be from Australia who was dying, Joe. Yeah. Who was dying because of his lifestyle, and he started juicing like 24-7, 365, which isn't entirely recommended necessarily. You want to talk to your doctor about something like that, and completely changed his health. 
So uh, Jazz and I started juicing soon after that. We got on Nutribullet. So that's sort of my dual pick of the week. This documentary, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and we and and the Nutribullet, which is badass, badass. For, for making uh, making your own your own juices at home. That's a great documentary. Have you noticed uh, any changes? Yeah, well, that in com- in combination with the fact that I've been working out a lot more this awesome. year. Yes, I'm feeling way better. Cool. Yeah, and looking way better. You look way I, better. If I do say yeah, so myself. You used to look like crap, but you yeah. look really good today. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Um, awesome. um, <laughs> we also have a listener pick. I'm going to move on because Trevor's making fun of me. Uh, from listener Annie Hayes. She sends in a listener pick uh, called Hyperbole and a Half, which some of you may have heard of before. It actually started as a blog, hyperboleandahalf.blogspot.com. On the right-hand column, there's like a, a, a best of. Click on the first one. It's called The God of Cake. It's friggin' hilarious. You will be hooked. Anyway, she turned it into a book eventually, which I've also seen because a friend of mine from Heather's had the book. If you just read a couple of these, you will be completely hooked. The author, whose name is escaping me right now, is hysterical. They're really, really funny. They're just, they're about like her childhood and, you know, it's called hyperbole in half because she just takes everything that happened to her in her childhood and multiplies it by like a billion. So everything is a giant, exaggerated, hyperbolic story about something. And there's little pictures that she draws and the pictures just lend themselves to the hilarity, but really funny. Check out the blog, check out the book. Uh, the Amazon link as well as the podcast or the blog link will be on our website. Love so it. So that is uh, Trev's pick, Sweet Ride USA. My pick or picks, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and the Nutribullet. And uh, Annie's pick, Hyperbole and a Half. Awesome. We have a patron of the week this week to mention, Mr. Daniel Pierce. Many of you know him on Twitter or Instagram as Depth Persuasion. Uh, Daniel's been a longtime listener and supporter of the podcast. He recently jumped on as a patron, uh, recently re-jumped on as a patron. And uh, all I have to say about Daniel, we don't have a bio for him yet or a photo, but he's a really good, genuine, good energy, believes in taking care of people kind of guy. He's a photographer. You can uh, He works on a tip basis, so you can actually contact him and just pay what you can to get photos with him. And he takes great photos. He's also starting his own podcast about voiceover. So we'll have a link to... Uh, probably just his twitter right now which is all we have but we'll have that in our in our website and i highly recommend being in touch with him because daniel's a stand-up dude and a guy that i think you'd want to know in this industry for sure daniel thank you for your support dude well uh today's episode of inside acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly aj meyer and me trevor elgott jen levin is our production coordinator Godali gubrick is our marketing and web director jasmine bristow is our director of public relations and deborah smith is our community manager trevor algat who you may have heard of before, composed our music. You can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and pretty much any other place that you go to get your podcasts. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, uh, if you love Inside Acting and want to keep, want to help keep the show going, sign up as a monthly patron or member, whatever we're calling it soon. Uh, and get cool perks like access to an exclusive online patron-only masterminds group. So good. It looks so good. I love it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the core of cores in terms of our community. A uh, shout out on the show, the show's website and newsletter and freebies and discounts on merchandise and other upcoming podcast offerings and much, 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 much more. Just visit InsideActingPodcast.com, click on the Patron tab to find out more. And that's it for episode 180 of Inside Acting. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for the third and final part of my chat with Leo Oliva. In the meantime, train people how to treat you. 